Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do just about each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. We were off last week. I do apologize for that. Last week wasn't a great week for me, folks. Um, just, to, just to put it out there, I, I wound up in the hospital a couple of Fridays back with some chest pains. I am okay now. But between that uh, situation going on with my car, we just didn't have the show last uh, last week. But we are back this week, and we thank everybody for joining us here. Because as I said, we got a good show for you tonight. Don't forget to check it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on all the different podcast feeds, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Bullhorn. Rate, like, share subscribe, do all the things. And we do have a lot to talk about tonight, folks. We will be joined by Dave Hastings in a matter of moments here. Being off for two weeks, some things happened. Obviously, we're going to talk uh, the state of the NFL. Week 16 is in the books. If you are like me, folks, you made it to the playoffs. You, you, you had the best record in your fantasy football league. You, you, you took that bye, you came back, and your team took a giant dump while your opponent, who is the fourth-place team, had his best week of the season. So, again, if you are like me, your, your fantasy season is over right now. It was a bad omen um, a week and a half ago, the Saturday game in Week 15 between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts. Michael Pittman takes a vicious hit from the defensive back or linebacker, I believe his name was Kazee, who is suspended for the rest of the season on appeal. Apparently, he is eligible to return for the playoffs, and I think that son of a bitch needs to be banned from the NFL for life because, again, if you are like me, folks, that motherfucker cost your team the goddamn season. Michael Pittman was maybe one of the better trades I have made in fantasy football in years, folks. Worked out really well. Traded away Chris Godwin and Alexander Madison very early in the season for Pittman. Wasn't crazy about him right off the bat, but, you know, he, he persevered and he was the most consistent player on my team. And I'm sure, again, I am not the only person who felt that way. Takes the big hit. During last week, it looks like he is clearing concussion protocol. Friday comes. He's got a questionable tag, but supposedly he had passed the NFL's concussion protocol. He was just suffering from a sore shoulder. And then about three hours before the night game on Saturday, it is released that upon traveling, Pittman suffered um, uh, reoccurring symptoms that returned to him, and he was ruled out. Of Sunday's game and from that moment well actually no I'm going to back up a second here because between that and the Thursday night game uh, between uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints I had Matt Stafford going 
had done, you know, pretty well through a couple touchdown passes, had over 300 yards. The problem was nine catches, 168 yards, and a touchdown of that went to Puka Nakua, who was on the team I was facing. So whereas Stafford got 20 points, fucking Nakua got 33 points. So that didn't start things off on a good note. And then the Pittman thing happens and everything just goes spiraling off the fucking tracks. By the time we got to Monday, I was down by 40 points and just praying to God that the New York Giants could put up 30 points. Um, the, uh, the 49ers would forget Brandon Ayuk was on their team and that Devontae Smith uh, would put up uh, 250 yards pay, uh, receiving three touchdowns and that um, Jake Moody, the kicker for the uh, 49ers, would be the only person to score on that goddamn team. And, you know, they'd have 30 points. It would all be on field goals. That's what I needed to win. So needless to say, I lost the goddamn game by about 50 points this week. And the season is over. I'm very sad about that. I'm also, I'm not going to say sad, but that's my transition to baseball while we wait for Dave. Um, Mets, I had been saying for months, uh, Yamamoto was the guy I wanted on the team. 25-year-old ace coming out of Japan. We don't know what he's going to be, but damn it, he looked good. Uh, could have been a part of the core. Could have been the perfect addition, free agent acquisition for the Mets this offseason. Didn't have to give up uh, any draft picks uh, for signing a player with a qualifying offer. He didn't come with one. You didn't have to give up prospects for it because he was a free agent. And, yeah, the goddamn Los Angeles Dodgers. Last time we were on, we talked about the Shohei Otani deal. A couple days after that, they acquired Tyler Glasnow in a trade with the Tampa Bay Rays, who's a very good pitcher who can never stay healthy. So, of course, they signed him to a five-year, 130-something million dollar contract. And then over the weekend, the Yamamoto sweepstakes continued. And we find out, first report was that the San Francisco Giants were told they were out of the bidding. I believe this was 8 o'clock on a Thursday or Friday night. Maybe maybe Saturday. I don't remember the exact date, but it was one of them days. Um, and then maybe two hours later, we get the news. Uh, Yamamoto, Yoshihiro uh, Yamamoto, I believe is his first name. $325 million, 13 years uh, with the, it's either 12 or 13 years, excuse me, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Two opt-out clauses. I believe there's an opt-out after the fifth year and an opt-out after the eighth year. The Mets had literally made the same contract offer. They made the offer first. Yamamoto takes the contract, goes back to the Dodgers. Dodgers match the offer. Yamamoto's a Dodger. So, yeah. Um, all I really want to say about this, because I'm sure Dave will be joining us momentarily, is... Um, yeah, that you know, that's the big one because you say what you want about Otani. We needed started pitching. Would have been nice to have the bat, but maybe not the best idea to give him $700 million when you're still feeling like you need to build your core for the future. The idea that they didn't make a formal offer. Formal offer just means they didn't put pen to paper. The idea that they didn't call Yamamoto's, uh, excuse me, uh, Otani's agent just to kind of keep tabs and see where everything was going and let them know, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. Like that happens just because they didn't make a formal offer. Doesn't mean they didn't weren't aware of what was going on there. 
Juan Soto to the Yankees. Another another case where I feel like they knew what the Padres wanted. They knew they didn't really have the ability to give them four young arms of moderate degrees of um, potential there. We did not have those pitching. We still don't have those pitching prospects in our system. We're trying to get those pitching prospects and young arms in the system. We're praying to God these fucking lottery tickets that David Stearns is uh, is giving out, uh, you know, something pans out good there. We're praying for that. Don't have a lot of faith. They did make one trade. Um, they got Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor, I believe was his name, the outfielder, Hauser, the pitcher from Milwaukee, traded away Coleman Crow, who they got at the deadline for Eduardo Escobar. That I, I'm not going to stand here and act like that's a world-breaking move. But, the, you know, that was a smart move, I thought, because Coleman Crow, right after the Mets acquired him, it was announced that he, he had undergone Tommy John surgery, so he's not going to be playing this year. And you take Eduardo Escobar, who was a free agent, wasn't going to be part of your core, and you turned him into two guys. Maybe they're a part of your core for the future. Maybe they're not. But at the very least, you got a couple more options you didn't have before for next season. Hauser is a back-end of the rotation type of guy, but we, we have holes, so that's good. But, yeah, Yamamoto signing with the Dodgers, that's the big loss. I would have loved to have seen the Mets get him. It'll be interesting to see where they go with the offseason from here. I don't think you're seeing any multi-year deals. I think you are seeing one- or two-year uh, make-right contract, guys like Lucas Giolito in there. Jordan Montgomery is available, but if, if that – contract is going to get to the size of Carlos Rodon's contract last year, which was about 160 million. Yeah, I think we'd pass on that one. So yeah, um what the Dodgers have done this offseason is spend 1.13 billion dollars over the course of a week. And if the Mets did it, all of baseball would be calling for Steve Cohen to be burned at the stake. With that, ladies and gentlemen, he is with us tonight. Dave Hastings is with us. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How about yourself? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, brother. It is good to hear your voice after the one-week absence there. I hope your Christmas was good, man. Definitely no complaints, my friend. Definitely no complaints. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we could obviously go to football here. I, I know you, you, you gave us a lot of baseball the last time we were on here. The only thing that really happened since is the Dodgers, as I was saying before you came on here, the Dodgers signed the other Japanese pitcher, uh, Yamamoto, $300 million, uh, $325 million contract for 13 years. Didn't quite get up to $400 million. I thought it was going to get to $400 million. I had said that on the show, didn't quite get there. Did you have any more thoughts on what the Dodgers have put together? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, the guy's never played in the majors, so I don't think it's yes. anything to get, like, overly excited about. I also think uh, maybe there was some conversations between him and Otani, and that's why that money, why Otani agreed to defer his money so that they had the money to sign the kid. Um, but they played together in the World Baseball Classic. Looked like they uh, were at least good teammates. I don't know about friends, but at least teammates. And, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, when you look at it, <clears throat> being a paper champion doesn't mean a damn thing. So, I mean, it, it's all fine and well, but, you know, unless the guys go out there and perform, doesn't mean too much. So, 
Mm-hmm. I'll have to wait and see. That's very well said about the paper champion thing because the Dodgers have had, you know, they go into every season for basically the last decade with on paper what looks like one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. They have one championship to show for it. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one there. But um, it will be interesting to see what the rest of the offseason goes because that was a big domino. Everybody was waiting to fall. Now that that's out of the way and we're moving past the holidays here slowly but surely, I think the next couple of weeks you're going to see a lot of guys sign because supposedly there's over 200 free agents left in this year's class. So, anyway. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that, I mean, 200 free agents, 30 teams. I mean, that breaks down to about, what, six to seven free agents a team? Yeah, <laughs> just Uh-oh. about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pl- plenty of things that can be done. And, I mean, you know, you play some money ball, do things the right way, and you have no idea what could happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, I think with that, we'll move on to football here. And, I, you know, we can go through some games that, you know, stuck out to you from this week. I will say to kind of look at the bigger standings picture here, a lot of things starting to come into focus. In the AFC – um, the Bills have now won three straight. They are nine and six. They are two games back with the Miami Dolphins at 11 and four, who have won their last two games. And I guess that's a good place to start, including the Saturday game, or excuse me, Sunday game uh, against our Cowboys. Not a good game for us. Uh, it, was, it was a rough loss, man. It was, uh, you know, Dallas this year is either. Outside of the Philly game, they either, you know, got blown out or they blew out the other team for the most part. So, but we're in that time of year. We're going to be playing close games. They got another one coming this week against Detroit. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to it. But, I mean, Miami came out and they, they, made, a, they made more plays than Dallas. I don't really think it's uh, – rocket science in a scenario like this they just made more plays than dallas made and were able to you know go down the field and you know when it comes down to dallas's perspective you sit there and the idea is to rest their hat on on that defense and they've been doing it since dan quinn took over and uh when they needed the defense to make a stop to win the game they weren't able to do it against a really good miami offense so disappointment there um I think overall, their last two weeks have been pretty damn disappointing. Um, offensively, you were getting the ball to Dak Prescott or to CeeDee Lamb, and everything was going fine, and then he didn't get a single target between all the second and third quarter. Mm. So, uh, And when you go back and you watch the film, now I didn't personally go back and watch the film, but those that get paid to do so did so, and – Miami didn't change up their coverages or anything they were doing on CD Lamb. Dak Prescott just stopped looking his way. Um, so I don't know what happened there, what Dak was seeing. Um, but no Tyron Smith, and you see the difference that makes. Dak got sacked like six times. Um, and, and that was a huge factor. But I mean, all in all, Miami, I told my buddy who's a Dolphins fan, like, I still think Dallas has a better team, but Miami made more plays when it mattered most, and they got the win. So, mm. like, I mean, 
I can sit here and complain and point out the fact that Micah Parsons has gone 31, right? Yeah, 31 quarters straight. Uh, so that is literally the equivalent of almost eight full games without drawing a single holding call on an offensive lineman. I kind of find that hard to believe. Yeah. So is there some misses? Yeah, but there's not a team in the NFL that can't sit there and say the same thing about their team. So it's not only a Dallas problem, it's an officiating problem across the league. Um, but yeah, it, disappointing two weeks in a row. First time Dallas has lost two games in a row when McCarthy is head coach. Um, so that's disappointing. But yeah. they got a big game against Detroit. They still they need they need help from Arizona or Philly uh, or Arizona or the Giants to have a chance to win the NFC East. Uh, and if you're a Cowboy fan, I think your safest bet is assuming Dallas is traveling on the road to an NFC South team for the uh, third year in a row or second year in a row uh, for the wild card round of the playoffs. Yeah, and I've I've made my thoughts clear on the Cowboys on the road. There, I them losing in Miami is bad. The Buffalo one, I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with it, but I'm not going to say I was totally surprised by that. I did mention I thought I thought going into Buffalo this time of year, not crazy about that one, but you know, the start they got off to with Pollard and Pollard. I don't know about you, he's officially on my never draft that high again list in fantasy football. He's officially on there. I will say that. Uh, the the play early on where he basically gets into the end zone, his entire body except the ball gets in the end zone, then he gets pushed back. They fumble on the next play, and at some point there you have the sequence where I think it was Parsons knocks Tua on his ass in the end zone, and then the very next play, Tua comes back, steps up, and makes the 30-yard pass play to uh, Jalen Waddle, I believe. From that moment on, it's just not not a good not a good way to get started, and you could tell the momentum was was firmly with Miami on that point. So yeah, definitely not a good look. I think Philadelphia tried to help us out the week before by keeping it even, not winning that game, but um, the Giants were just like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna let you have this. It's fine." So yeah, that, that, I, yeah. Penalties killed them against Miami. Penalties off. The first three touchdown drives by Buffalo, they were set to punt the ball. And Dallas caused a penalty that gave them a first down, kept the drive alive, and Buffalo scored a touchdown on all three drives. Wait. Yeah, that's so, bad. You gotta you gotta clean up the penalties. You you got I mean, when it's all said and done, this team's gonna have to win road games in the playoffs if they wanna make a Super Bowl and they haven't given you any reason to think that they can. Yeah. Very true. All right. And, um, well, I mean, I'll go through the list here. I don't know about you. Fantasy football-wise, my my team shit the bed in the first round of the playoffs. Stop me if you've heard this before, Dave. Uh, a team that has the best record in the regular season couldn't keep it going once the playoffs started and the four seed beats them. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh, yeah, it sadly does. <laughs> yeah, it's the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, yeah, yeah. 
But it started started off on Thursday there, high scoring game between the Rams and Saints. Rams wind up pulling that out. Stafford, very nice game, over 300 yards, two touchdowns. Problem was half the production was to Puka Nakua. Uh, Pittsburgh dominates Cincinnati 34 to 11. I, I will say this. I want to mention this because we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. Uh, the hit on the uh, on Michael Pittman by the Steelers uh, defensive back, I believe his name is Kazee. Uh, he needs to be banned for life. Banned for yeah, life. I don't want to. Uh, just huh? two years. He was a cowboy. Sorry, he was a cowboy two years ago. And look how he handled that breakup. Not well. Not well. Now he needs to be thrown out. Hey, I mean, it's the, it's football, pal. I, I know that <laughs> impacted your fantasy team, and I'm sorry, but. Well, listen, in, in all seriousness here, because I feel like there was a lot made about that hit, and I heard people say something to the effect of, um, oh, you, you really don't want the defender to tackle the guy. You just want him to let him go or whatever. My feeling on that hit. Pittman left his feet. There's no way he is catching that ball and getting up and running. And Kazee is coming at him from a completely downhill way. I feel like once he saw the way Pittman was diving and everything, he should have straightened up because at that angle, even if you're not headhunting, you're going for something in that area, intentional or not. That's my that's my feeling on that. Uh, I mean <laughs> – when it's all said and done, it, it, it these guys are moving full speed. I, I I really, I mean, you can see intentional hits, but I mean that that hit really didn't gain much traction outside of after it happened. You didn't see people clamoring and going nuts after the game. So mm. that that hit had some level of clean, uh, for lack of a better word, cleanliness to it. Listen, I I. I'm not going to stand here and say I thought it was a dirty play. I just think that's a play that he should have adjusted for, and I think the punishment fit the crime on that. So, well, anyway, that's what, huh? yeah, uh, banned for life, though. I don't know if I can go that far. Well, I mean, a little ridiculous is to be expected here. I'm just saying, you, I, you know, that is what it is on that one. But that's what I'm saying. All seriousness, I was fine with the suspension they gave him, but. Um, yeah, that I, those are the type of hits, in my opinion, they should be trying to protect. I think everything kind of gets muddied up with the way they go overboard and, you know, punish people who are on, you know, it is a questionable hit. I did not find that one to be a questionable hit, though. But anyway, we can, we can move off that. I, I think you knew I was going to bring that up at some point. But <laughs> yeah, um, Buffalo. Does go into Los Angeles taking on the Chargers. They beat the Chargers 24-22. That was a game that should not have been as close as it actually was, though. So Buffalo's another team. I have no idea what the hell to make of them. Maybe they turned it on at the right time. If you're a Buffalo fan watching that game after the game they had against the Cowboys, I, I there's no way you're not going bipolar watching this team. Uh, I don't think it's possible not to feel feel that way because that's the way they kind of play. Um, but I also do think that Buffalo is a team that, you know, if you're in the AFC, I don't know if you want to play Buffalo. 
I will say that much. I mean, the way they 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 they're getting better. The biggest issue with them for year uh, for the last couple of years is they can't run the ball. That has been the biggest issue with them, and they're starting to run the ball effectively and consistently. And when you have have a guy like Josh Allen at quarterback, that's a very dangerous combination. Uh, I I agree. I think they are another team that I would look at kind of like the Cowboys in terms of, you know, I, I take them a little more seriously at home than I do on the road. Because I, I, I looking at that game against the Chargers, I feel like if they were taking on like an actual quality team with a quality quarterback, obviously Los Angeles still got weapons galore and everything, but don't exactly have a guy who knows how to use, utilize them. For no real fault of his own. He's a journeyman backup. But if you're playing, like, if that game, and maybe this is a stretch, but the way Denver was playing during their five-game winning streak, I feel like if you put that game that Buffalo had against Denver, I think Denver wins that game. Uh, yeah, because Den- Buffalo was one of the teams Denver beat in their win streak. and ah, they- That explains that. Yeah, because of turning over the ball and and – Playing them tight and making Josh Allen make hard throws, but I mean overall, I still I do still think uh, you know when you look at the AFC playoff picture, Buffalo is arguably one of the scarier, if not scariest, teams in the AFC right now. I mean, I don't think anybody's scared to play Kansas City right now. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that because truthfully, like the AFC is wide open, so I'll give you that on Buffalo. You look at the way it is. Kansas City now sitting at nine and six after the loss yesterday to the Raiders. Like Baltimore, right now, you you looking at them? They kind of got the inside track on your AFC favorite for the Super Bowl there, off of the, the big win against the Niners uh, last week at twelve and twelve and three on the season. There, the AFC South still is going to be the weakest division. You know, having a representative in the playoffs. Even though I do think they're kind of bridging the gap a little bit there, still, still I would consider them the weakest. Miami a threat. Cleveland, I think you got to look at them as a threat just for that defense. And Flacco is being competent as a quarterback for them. So yeah, uh, wide open playoff field, field this year. I mean, Flacco and Amari Cooper on Sunday was just that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't even fair. Yeah, I think I saw the stat. Only the third receiver in NFL history to score over 50 fantasy points. I don't even remember the exact line, but he had like over 200 receiving yards. I think he caught two, two, two or three touchdowns in that. 11 receptions, I believe. That was an insane day. Yeah, no, it, it was like Flacco and Cooper were just toying with him on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's no other way to put it. But, yeah, no, I think uh, – What's crazy, though, is if you think about it, Flacco literally called the Jets asking to come play for them, and they were like, nah, we're good. And now you see what he's doing with Cleveland. Mm. And I saw something, there's a headline on ESPN with Flacco saying, I have no ill will towards the Jets, which is nice, because you look at the quarterback they brought in, and he's got no problem ripping them every other week. So that, that's nice to see from Flacco there. Um. Yeah, and speaking of the Jets there, they had the big lead against Washington that they promptly blew in the second half, and they make a late sec- uh, last-second field goal, do wind up pulling it out. They, 
what more can you say about the Jets there? Trevor Simeon as the starting quarterback. They narrowly win 30 to 28, the game that they were up by 20 in. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the Jets are just – I mean, the best way to <laughs> say it is simply the Jets are jetting. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I did not get a chance to hear Aaron Rodgers' comments earlier, but I guess he was he was criticizing some whoever put it out there that the Jets had activated him last week because there was some controversy. It was kind of a big deal made that he cost the guy the roster spot. I don't know if you saw this whole thing. Like, I, I get it, the idea of costing someone a job and everything, but it's the 53, 53rd man on the roster. There's a good chance if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers getting being the reason he was released, it would have been someone else probably quickly. And the guy's a fullback. Let's stop acting yeah. like he plays a position that is prominent in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers got offended because he was saying, oh, well, you know, I could have been the fastest ever to come back to from the from this injury, but since we were eliminated, it just didn't make any sense. And you're like, bro, stop it. Like you weren't coming back either way. Like he just sounds like he's the smartest and greatest man and, and he knows everything and his way of doing things is the right way of doing things. And nobody else knows what to do and everybody should do what he does. He's he's like he's the definition of a diva. He might as well play wide. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely agree with what you're saying. On the fullback part, fullback has not meant anything to the NFL in about 20 years. So, yeah, I think everybody needs to chill on that one. And I, I, I'm standing by it. If he would have come back in December, I would have been calling steroids. Remember, uh, I'm, the only, I'm the only one. Huh? That's fine by me. I just I think anybody that actually thought he was coming back is insane. <laughs> yes i do agree with you on that one and i i think people being surprised that it was announced that robert Sala, nathaniel hackett and joe douglas are going to be back next year i mean I, i'm not really surprised that all three of them are coming back because why would you hand aaron Rodgers yet another reason to be a diva on a silver platter because you think you're letting all three of them go and he ain't gonna have a, a public bitch fest the entire offseason about it yeah, uh, him and Pat McAfee would be talking till they, they ran out of breath. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, anything else from the Sunday games stand out to you? I, I was a little disappointed by the games on Christmas, but what would you say? I mean, I know the Eagles ended their three-game uh, losing streak, but they really didn't look that great against the Giants. No. Uh, Giants hung in there, kept it a good game, just couldn't make enough stops, and it's because they just they don't have enough talent. There's no other way to say it, and we all knew that already. So, um, I mean, I think that's something that really sticks out. I mean, Baltimore going to San Francisco and putting a beating on them like they did, uh, forcing Purdy into four interceptions. Um, I mean, Baltimore, if you look at their their they're now Lamar Jackson's now something like 29 and one against the NFC. Uh, ironically enough, his only loss is against the giants and Daniel Jones. Um, so, okay. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> but you know, you're talking 29 and one 
you look at their record this year against teams with with winning records, and they're just blow. They're not just beating them; they're like blowing them out of the water. Um, I think their only loss against a team with a winning record was a divi- was a division game against the Browns. Um, so I mean, they they are really right now. They have to be your favorite with that, their consistency and how they played all year and. If Lamar Jackson can stay healthy, I, I mean, he's he's probably the most dangerous quarterback in the NFL between his legs and his arm. So, yeah, I, I think uh, – and all the injuries they've dealt with. And, uh, I mean, they play Miami on Sunday. They win that game. They lock up the number one seed um, in the AFC. Uh, and it, it turns into uh, – I mean, that makes – the that's probably the game of the year for the regular season. Um <laughs> So, I mean, that, that's a huge game. Philly is home against Arizona, so they're going to win that. I mean, looking at the playoff standings, it's the teams that are in the hunt, the teams fighting for those wild card spots. That's That, to me, is the craziest part of where we're at right now for the year. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. The Dallas-Detroit game, you brought it up before. That's going to be interesting this week. But, um, yeah, and San Francisco putting up the um, – putting up that showing last night there. I still look at San Francisco as your favorite coming out of the NFC. I think the Eagles, we've talked about their inconsistency throughout the season, and they played the Giants again last week of the season. I I don't see that really going down the middle there. I feel like that either the Giants are going to come back like they always do when they have the, the second game very quickly against the team they, they just played I'm not going to say well, but I mean, they didn't go down without a fight there for the most part. Um, so th- I think it, it's either going to be that or the Giants are going to get completely destroyed like e- the Eagles did to them in the playoffs. I don't think there's going to be a middle ground on that one. So that'll be interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at some of the other divisions there, I think Tampa's the team that comes out on top in the NFC South. Uh, NFC North. I don't really look at the Vikings or Packers as a team that you're really going to see. It's interesting. I'm looking at this here. Cowboys, Rams, and Seahawks, right now, they're your leaders for those last three um, wildcard spots out of the NFC. And, yeah, I would need to be made believers in any team who's not already in the race. Yeah, I mean, the the Rams have played really good football over the last couple weeks. I think they're Mm -hmm. probably carrier wild card teams um when it comes down to like if you're philly or detroit um i don't think it really matters who dallas gets out of the nfc south i think they they should be able to go into whoever's building it is and win um minnesota just lost hawkers hawkinson or hawkerson or however you say it for the rest of the year so now, now they're down, arguably their best receiving weapon, minus Justin Jefferson. Uh, Green Bay, I just they're just too inconsistent of a team for me to say are going to make any noise in the playoffs. But I mean, in the NFC, you're going to have Dallas, Philly, the the Niners. I think the Rams and Detroit is your, are going to be your five your five most competitive teams. And I feel, still think it boils down to Eagles, Cowboys, and Niners. I think the Lions still have a little room to grow. Uh, and just playing in the playoffs for your first time as a lot of players, it, it can be a little much. So, um, 
But, yeah, I mean, the NFC, I think you are pretty much got a clear idea. The AFC, though, I mean, you're looking – if the Dolphins lose to Baltimore on Sunday and Buffalo wins, that Miami-Buffalo game is literally going to be for the uh, the division win. So, um, that, that puts a lot on that game. And you just look at it. I mean, the Chiefs, uh, they've, Patrick Mahomes has never played a road game in the playoffs in his career. Um, the Browns and, and, and you know, uh, what they've been able to do with Flacco, I think at some point it's going to sputter out. And then you look at the AFC South, and, I mean, you got Jacksonville, Indy, and Houston all tied at 8-7. and seven. Out of all of them, I want to see Houston in there more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they and he, help to make it happen, though. And Houston was missing C.J. Stroud this week in that game, so they're hoping to get him back this week. He, he had a concussion from the previous week, so they, they would hope to have him back this week. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the team I think would deserve it out of the AFC South. I mean, the other teams are good and everything, but I think you got good young core there. I know they've also had injuries on the defensive side. I think Will Anderson missed the game uh, this past week. and It was one of the names that I'm forgetting about right now. But, yeah, I mean, D'Amico Ryan's done a really good job with the Texans. I think we, I think we brought it up uh, – you brought it up a few weeks ago about Antonio Pierce – Raiders were in this position a few years back. Um, the uh, When Gruden got fired, the interim coach leads him to a playoff spot, and he's not retained by him. Really kind of hoping Mark Davis doesn't do that this time around with Pierce because look at what that two-game winning streak right now. I, believe, I think they won three of four since they fired Daniel um, McDaniel and put Pierce in. So they've been doing really good, and we'll we'll see what happens with that, I guess. I mean, they, they had the same scenario just a year or so ago, and they let the interim coach go, which I think was stupid. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of curious to see, are they going to do the same nonsense with Pierce or actually give him a chance? And I personally think you got to give him a chance. Yeah. I do agree. All right. Any, anything else from the weekend stand out to you? You want to go into picks? Um, no, I think I'm good with picks. Okay. All right. So to kind of recap where we've been a little bit, last time we were here and did this was week 15. And we had picked, we both picked Buffalo to beat Dallas. We both picked Denver to beat Detroit. I picked Tennessee to pick, uh, beat Houston. You picked Houston. We both picked Indianapolis. I picked Philadelphia and you picked the Seahawks to beat the Eagles there. So, I went two and three, and I'm currently at 39 and 38 on the season. And Mr. Dave Hastings, you went three and two on that week, and you are now at 40 and 37 on the season. You were in first place. Let's go, baby. I told you I was coming for <laughs> Mike. I told you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I was just keeping the seat warm for you, buddy. It's fine. All right. I think with that, though. It is time for picks. Who goes first this week? I, I think it's me, but I'm not sure. Uh, honestly, with the with the gap, I, I have no idea. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to make this. This is the easiest Aglio Loro's aggravation in the world. So it is time 
for Aguilero's Aggravation of the Week. And let's just get this out of the way right now. We're going to go with the Detroit and Dallas game. And as much as Detroit has pissed me off the last couple weeks because Sam Laporta did his disappearing act, and I got about 4.8 points on Sunday, it really did not do well. You ever have one of those games where your entire team just doesn't show up and the other team has the best game they're going to have all season? That happened to me this past week. Ah, uh, worst time of year to have it happen. But, yes, yeah. I, I, I know it all too well, my friend. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, between Nakua getting all the all the stuff from Stafford on the Thursday night game and then them announcing that Pittman was going to miss Sunday's game four hours before the Saturday game started, my week was fucked before it really started. So it was a bad week. But anyway, so, yeah, we're going with Detroit and Dallas, and I'm picking Detroit there. No explanation needed. Dave, who you got? Uh, I got to believe that Dallas does not lose a third in a row. Um, Detroit coming off of an emotional high, winning their division for the first time since 1993. And the NFC North did not even exist at that point. It was <laughs> NFC Central. Um, and I just, I genuinely think that emotional high it just it, it takes a lot out of players and and the team and I think Dan Campbell's a good coach and I'll have them ready, um, but I just I, I gotta believe that Dallas is is not gonna lose three in a row and let their you know fourteen game home win streak come to an end, um, so I, I'm gonna take Dallas winning at home. Mm-hmm. And I did remember after the fact that Dallas was at home for this game, but I'm sticking with my pick there. All right, so now it is time for Hastings Highlight of the Week. I mean, we touched on it earlier, uh, and the the implications the game carries, um, the statement that can be made by both teams, kind of shocked it's a 1 o'clock game. Um, but there's just no way I, I can't not say that we've got to go with the Miami Dolphins traveling to Baltimore and, and playing for what is an it's so facto take the number one seed in the NFC game or in the AFC game. Uh, this is kind of like a conference championship game, but not to get to the Super Bowl to win the conference or to take the number one seed in the conference. So. Um, I, I said it before and, and I'll say it again. And that's why I'm going to pick, pick them. The Ravens just seem to play their best football against the best teams. Uh, and they're at home. So give me the Ravens beating the Dolphins in, in what I believe should be a really good game. But I think Baltimore pulls it out. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to that game. That should be a lot of fun. I like Miami. I, I think, you know, everything you said about Baltimore, I got to agree with you on that there. Miami's another team I don't quite trust on the road either. And I know – I don't really think it's going to be too much in terms of the weather. I know Baltimore is more east, but it's not like Baltimore is New York or New Jersey or anything like that. It's a little bit of cover there. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, Miami's going to be a, a tough team to play in the playoffs – but uh, I do look at them as a team that is a little more beatable on the road there. 
Not like Baltimore needs help anyway, but Baltimore. All right. Uh, and for the next game, hmm. I think <laughs> not. And not that, not that I'm going to pick it, but I'm just looking at some of these games. That that Thursday night game should be very interesting. Flacco taking on the Jets there. Why she? Why she throws for like 400 yards or something off them? All right, only game that's coming to me right now. I'm going to go with the uh, 425 game there, Cincinnati and Kansas City. You got a tale of two teams that are definitely in different places than a lot of people thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season there. Both teams would be, uh, excuse me, Kansas City would be a playoff team, obviously, if the playoffs started today. At the moment, Cincinnati at the outside looking in. And this is this is a very tough game to call, but not for the reasons you would have thought at the beginning of the season here. Kansas City has not played well. Lost the game yesterday against the Raiders at home. Cincinnati playing without Joe Burrow. Jake Browning had a couple pretty good weeks. Kind of turned back into a pumpkin this past week. But I wouldn't consider this an easy, easy game for Kansas City the way they've been playing. So this is a tough game to pick. And I'm going to go with a little bit of the upset here. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Just because as much as it's a home game for Kansas City and they're one of the toughest stadiums to play with in terms of the crowd noise and everything, I just, I don't know. Right now, I think they are beatable enough to be beaten by a team that doesn't have their star quarterback. So Cincinnati is my pick there. Who you got, Dave? Yeah, I uh, I can see why you'd say that, especially since the Raiders did not have any type of quarterback really play at all. Uh, Aiden, Aiden O'Connell, good point. Yeah, I think he threw for about 60-some yards in the first ha- first quarter and then didn't throw for another passing yard until the fourth. Yeah, uh, and, um, and since you're saying that, we got to throw in, Kansas City had negative 82 yards in that first quarter. So, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot – a lot of issues that need to be worked out in Kansas City. Um, Cincinnati basically just needs their quarterback to manage the game and not make any stupid mistakes. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think they rebound after a rough rough loss, and and they, they, they fight for defending their home field and, and make the most out of uh, what they can with a, a home win against Cincinnati. Yep. All right. So with that, you are up for your second pick, my friend. I think we got to go with the Steelers at the Seahawks. Another game where both teams are fighting for a playoff spot and trying to stay alive. Uh, loss is detrimental. A win pretty much can lock them in. Um, Geno Smith should be playing. Steelers are probably going to rock with Mason Rudolph again. Uh, basically, it seems like the key for their offense is just to get uh, – Pickens the ball and, and let him make plays. Uh, um, that was a hell of a grab he made, too. Shut everybody right the hell up talking about his effort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the same time, no, he still didn't block. You know, there's no change in that. <laughs> no, he really <laughs> didn't. Those are some, those were some bad clips, too. He yeah. just didn't even try. <laughs> um, 
But, I mean, Pittsburgh looked really good against Cincinnati. Um, Seattle pulled out a tight win against uh, against the Eagles the other day uh, on Monday night. Oh, man. Give me Seattle. And, yeah, I think I got to go with Seattle on this one, too. I will say I am now a fan of DK Metcalf, one of the only people who actually showed up for my game on uh, this past week in fantasy there. Kind of wish I didn't trade T. Higgins in hindsight there. If I would have known Pittman was going to miss the playoff game, I probably would have tried to keep him, but that's okay. Metcalf did good, and Geno is back, and their connection is alive and well. So we'll go with Seattle there. Pittsburgh, you know, in addition to Pickens, you get those running backs going, and they got they got a shot. And Rudolph, at the very least, showed he can manage manage the game on Sunday and everything. But um, yeah, I think going on the road to Seattle, still one of the tougher stadiums to play with. In addition to Kansas City, there, so I will go with Seattle as well. All right, so that does it in terms of football. Wait, you- I. I- I oh, think we right. We picked the Saints Bucks game. I mean, Bucks are eight, yeah. Saints are seven and eight. I mean, a Saints win on the road could could make this division literally go down to the last week. Where I think if the Bucks win, they basically lock up the division. Um, so I mean, the Saints have shown flashes of being really good, but basically it seems like if you take Alave out of the game, they really can't do anything. Um, defense is inconsistent. Tampa Bay is a roller coaster. I feel like every game they play, um, if Mike Evans doesn't score a touchdown and then they're, they're in a lot of trouble. Um, so I, I thought that'd be another game we could pick. And I mean, I really, really want to take, uh, the saints winning on the road, but, Baker Mayfield just seems to have enough of a rhythm and mojo with that offense that uh, I'm going to take the Bucs at home. Mm. And I will take Tampa Bay at home, too, on that one. Uh, I do feel the need to champion for my boy a little bit, Rashad White. Uh, You want to talk about a breakout player from this past season. I never heard of this guy entering this season and he, he's had an amazing season with Tampa Bay. Evans is the big playmaker on the team. You are 100% right there. But I think White has shown, you know, very, very good pass catching running back there. Can make some of the runs, too. I wouldn't consider him a bruising back, but he's definitely, you know, I would consider him one of Baker Mayfield's preferred weapons there. Um, so I, I really like what they've been able to get out of him this season. Um, and New Orleans, I think since Marcus Lattimore went down, their defense has been a lot more beatable. Uh, you look at what the Rams did to them on Thursday night, just being a case in point there. And Baker, I, I, you know, we've been saying a few times this season, Baker is a good quarterback for this offense that does have established playmakers and just needed someone to kind of tie it all together. And he's done a good job with that. So I think Tampa Bay takes the division. Playoffs will be interesting to see what they do. I think they, uh, you know, it's lining up that the Cowboys would get them. I, I, 
I I think the Cowboys should win that, but I think it'll be a tough out. I agree. Uh, I mean, I think we're tougher last year with Brady. So, I mean, we'll take uh, – I'll take Mayfield – having to play against Mayfield over having to play against Brady. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's not, that doesn't really matter right now. we still got two weeks to go, so. And, you st- and now you got me interested. I, I don't know what their offensive line situation looks like. If I remember correctly, that was something we exploited from them last year. Correct. Yeah. And it, it's not much better this year. Okay. Fair enough. Well, that's good. All right. So we got that. Did you have anything else football-wise, Dave? Uh, I saw they're adding a Madden tournament in the Pro Bowl this year, so I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I did not hear that until now. That's funny. I know they've changed the Pro Bowl the last couple of years. I- I don't know what all the activities are now. I do like the fact that they, the advertisement I saw was the Pro Bowl games or the All-Pro games or whatever the hell they called it. Seems interesting. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it, though. Yeah, I can't say I'll probably pay any attention. I probably won't even remember that it's going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. God willing, I'm getting excited for uh, Dallas playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That would be better. I would definitely take that. Yes, absolutely. All right. So I think with that, basketball-wise, I'm not going to pretend to really have been following a lot of basketball so far. I I know that means I missed the, you know, we talked about the exciting in-season tournament that the Lakers raised the banner for. Uh, Anything noteworthy stuck out to you over the last couple weeks basketball-wise? Uh, Bulls won six out of their last ten, and they they've officially played their way up into the the ten spot, which means they'd be in the play-in tournament. Um, but the you know thirty-one games in, fifty-one to go, a lot can change. Uh, I mean the East is pretty clear: it's Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, and then everybody else. Uh, the Heat will have something to say when it's said and done. The Knicks will have something to say when it's said and done. But outside of that. I'm sorry to cut you off, Dave. What do you think about the Magic being in there now? I'm seeing them at 17 and 11 right there. Yeah, they're a young team. I mean, that's really what it is. They're young. They're they're long. They're athletic. I mean, they they're not a team I think will make any noise in, uh, when uh, we get closer to playoff time. But I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be a team that can definitely cause some headaches for other teams. Um, even if it's in a, in the playoffs or getting to the playoffs, they they could have some impact on how seeding's done and who goes where and makes it uh, how you know what their experience is like in the playoffs. I will say this: I, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm seeing I guess one of the headlines: uh, Nikola Vucevic of the uh, Chicago Bulls out for an undetermined period with a groin injury. It's not good. Yeah, they have no idea how bad it is. It just happened yesterday, so it, you know they they got to kind of you got to figure at least a couple weeks. But he's an uh, inconsistent player at best. I mean, he's really good when he's really good, and he can be really bad. So um, kind of got to wait and see, and it gives them a chance to see what their young guys got because they've got some young big men that don't get a lot of playing time. So. You're going to see whether you got some depth and some young guys you can work with or, 
yeah, hopefully they got one step closer to just tearing it all down and trying to start over. Speaking of another team that may may not be that far off, I know we had talked about Phoenix putting together the the team with Durant and Beal and Devin Booker and what are we, 29 games in and they still haven't played one game together yet because Beal is now out with Durant coming back over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, they're game under 500. They're sitting at the 11 spot right now in the Western Conference. Um, also a team that just, well, the names on that team, they, they're just inconsistent. They also don't play a lot of defense, which happens a lot when you're working with uh, a whole bunch of guys that like to score the ball. So, yeah. yeah. Anything else basketball wise stand out? Uh, I mean, John Morant came back first game back, and the guy freaking uh, hits a game winner. Um, as time expired, so I thought that was pretty impressive. But outside of that, not really. I mean, it, it's still early in the year. I thought it was funny as hell though was that the Lakers lost like five or six in a row after uh, after they won the in season tournament. <laughs> And then they, or which was one of the stupidest things I ever saw. Yeah, but I, I there's no doubt that that was definitely a uh, an NBA thing. You know, like, come on, we got to make sure this thing builds up, you know, momentum and and people are in it and and you know, paying attention to the tournament, put up a banner, make it count, and nobody gives a crap about it. Mm-hmm. And did I did I I I don't know if this was an exaggeration by the internet that likes to uh, rag on him a little bit. Did something happen with LeBron James over the last couple of days where he got hurt in the middle of a game and was down on the ground or something? Say that one more time. Did he? Did LeBron get hurt in a game over the last couple of days? Because I saw something online that might have just been the Twitter trolls in- enjoying that uh, something happened to LeBron and over-exaggerating it. But did he get hurt over the last couple of days? Yeah, no. Not that I not, – nothing big. I, I mean – yeah, no, nothing. Okay. Big Might have just been someone uh, ragging on him um, for the whining and everything. I, I don't remember the exact context, but. All right. I think with that, though, um, I didn't really have too much else. You know, I talked a little bit about baseball already. Do you have anything else sports wise? Uh Nah, I mean, with the holiday, the last like week or so, week or so, I haven't really had a chance to pay much attention to anything. So, I'm mm. I'm proud of myself for for getting through uh, an hour with you. <laughs> Me too, actually. Today was a long day, and just it it just felt weird not doing a show last week. So to get back into it does feel good. But um, the only thing I got pop culture wise, the. Did you hear uh, the movie that got released on Netflix over the weekend, Rebel Moon? Did you have any interest in seeing that movie? Uh, yeah, no, interested, but haven't seen it yet. Hmm. It was a decent movie. My sister actually kind of piqued my interest a little bit to see it. I, I did wind up seeing it Saturday, I think. It, like I said, it was not a bad movie. It was kind of... Have you ever seen The Magnificent Seven? Nah. Okay. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven? Yes. 
Okay. So Ocean's Eleven, Magnificent Seven, even Bad News Bears, movies like that to an extent, all kind of are paying homage to the movie Seven Samurais. And a lot of science fiction movies wind up doing it too. Rebel Moon is kind of like Magnificent Seven slash Ocean's Eleven meets Star Wars in that you have like the evil empire presence and they are coming down on a group of villagers. They're going to come back in about eight or nine weeks, however long, to get crops from the villagers. The villagers have to go out and find warriors to fight the warlords. That story has been done over and over again. I, I, and truthfully, I, I, there's only about 10 tropes you see in movies anyway. I, I don't mind simple stories. It's about the execution. And I thought it was executed pretty well. I, I did not think they did a bad job on that. All right. Well, once mm-hmm. I watch, I'll let you know. We can chat about it. I mean, because I know they're doing like a three-part series. So I do want to watch it. So this way, if I like it, I can watch the other two. Mm-hmm. The one thing that kind of made me not want to see it, you know, so, so Zack Snyder, the big thing, the big deal about the Justice League and the Snyder Cut and everything, he goes to Netflix. And apparently when he signed with Netflix to do this, he included that he wanted a, basically a theatrical cut and a director's cut released. And he did an interview last week saying that director's cut is basically like an alternate universe to this one. Which I'm not going to lie. This is just really fucking annoying. Just just make your fucking movie and leave it alone. I I, that, I, I don't know your thoughts on that. Did you Have you heard any of what I just said before? Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think of the whole idea then? You make one movie for the theatrical release and then you have a director's cut that you are planning to release. Not even that you weren't allowed to put it out. I mean, I think it was pretty stupid. Cause, I mean, especially mm-hmm. considering the director's cut, it was better than the original movie for Justice League. So, mm-hmm. and Watchmen actually too. Uh, think, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, so, you know, whatever the best version of the movie is, that's what you should get people to yeah. watch. Yeah, I will say this, yo, Charlie Hunnam. Sons of Anarchy, Jax Teller. He's in that movie. He He's really good in that movie. I like him. All right. Well, I always did yeah. like Jax, so. Yep. Yeah. And have you heard of the movie? I, I want to give this a little plug real quick because I do want to see this at some point. I didn't get a chance to see it this weekend. The Iron Claw, the movie about the Von Erich family with uh, Zac Efron. Have you seen any trailers for this? No. Well, it tells the story of the Von Erich family, who's one of the most famous wrestling families in history, basically. It's a tragedy because they start out, it's five brothers. I think they only really took, it's six in real life. I think they cut one of the brothers out for time purposes in this movie. But um, yeah, it's a pretty tragic story of the family. Only one brother lives to this day. So don't go if you wind up seeing the trailer, you wind up seeing the movie. Don't go into it thinking it's a happy-go-lucky movie. No, no, it's not. No, it's unfortunately one of the biggest tragedy stories in the history of wrestling. The one clip making the rounds on social media, Ric Flair is a part of the movie. He's not a main character in the movie. 
probably in the movie for about 20 minutes. But they play a clip of the actor who plays Ric Flair in the movie. And I'm telling you right now, Dave, we probably could have gotten Eric Pfeiffer to, to do that Ric Flair impersonation. It probably would have been a thousand times better than what they allowed on that fucking screen. Oh, I, I, I mean, I can believe you with that. I mean, Pfeiffer's, Pfeiffer's got some practice with the Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I am hoping to see that movie, obviously, uh, being an, um, a, a older wrestling fan of not from that time because we were babies. But having heard that story before, I am interested to see that movie. But um, yeah, I wanted to at least bring it up here. I know, I know that's not quite your bag, but anyway. Well, I, I hope when you do see it, you like it. I'll say that much. <laughs> All right, bro. All right, I think with that. We'll get out of here for tonight. Thank you to everybody for listening to us on all the various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Bullhorn. Rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things, and we'll get out of here for tonight. Let's do some final thoughts. Dave Hastings. Oh, my friend, may the last week of 2023 treat you well. And the next time I talk to you, it will be 2024. You know, I'll I'll tell you how long of a day it's been. I completely forgot that, yeah, this is the last show of 2023. Dave, as always, it's a pleasure to be doing this another year with you. Thank you to everybody for listening to us for another year. And, yeah, let's hope for a uh, better 2024. My friend, I couldn't agree with you more, and uh, I'll talk to you next year. Yep. Take care, Dave. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I am Mike Aglia-Laurel. We will see y'all, as he said, next year.